Some of you may have heard from first service that I was long-winded today. You look in your bulletin and you see I'm preaching from Leviticus, the whole book. Actually, it's going to be several, several parts of the book. Today, uh, we're going to continue on with a look at Leviticus with the four different kinds of offerings that are the primary types of offerings in this book and how in the Old Testament, the look toward God, the movement toward God is very similar to the way that we in Christ look to God and seek God. Let us pray as we gather for worship. Lord, use your servants' lips and your people's ears and hearts that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Church is not simply about what happens on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Church might have that focus of 11 a.m. on Sunday, but what we bring to life as Christians is a whole life of praise. A whole life, whether we are at home conversing with a spouse, whether we are working out in the community doing whatever it is God has called us to do, whether we are here in this place conversing over a half donut and cup of coffee, or whether we are at home praying for a friend. It's a whole life of praise. It is a whole life of worship. It is a whole life of us gathering with God, before God, in praise. There are four primary offerings in Leviticus, the first of which is the whole burnt offering. And I want to explain these in such a way that you can see where the offering goes, why the person brings the offering. The, the whole burnt offering is brought, and it's brought to the altar, and every bit of it is given over to God. There are a couple of reasons why someone might do that. Number one, it's a big offering. And that largeness of the offering, if you, have, if you have a large animal that is being consumed by the fire, the column of smoke that comes up is a big deal. I need you, God. Come and help me, God. I seek you with my whole heart. It's an offering that is entirely given to God. It can be because someone wants to offer gratitude to God. Something amazing has happened. Something wonderful has happened. And I want to show my gratitude by giving something extraordinary to God. It can also be an offering that is given for sin. Oh God, I need your pardon and I need your pardon now. As we look at the offering and its, its portrayal in Leviticus, uh, we can see it in Leviticus chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you shall offer a male without blemish. You shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting for acceptance in your behalf before the Lord. You shall lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be acceptable in your behalf 
as atonement for you. The burnt offering is the cry to God. Oh Lord, hear me. Perhaps it is a cry of gratitude. Perhaps it is a cry for forgiveness. But what is brought before the Lord is offered entirely to the Lord. You and I as Christians know that there are times when we must cry out to God. Those times are when we have done things we ought not have done, when we recognize that there is some sort of deep darkness within our heart that God's light needs to shine into. There are times when we cry out for God's attentiveness, for God's care. It's not always negative when these things happen. I remember the birth of my oldest child. There's a clear before and after. Before I was a dad and after I became a dad. And, and right there in that miraculous moment when a child was born and suddenly our family of two became a family of three was a time in which I thought to myself, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Something beyond my ability to understand had taken place. This is an offering to God that says, O oh Lord, hear me. Hear me in my gratitude. Hear me in my despair. Hear me in my fear. Hear me. The Lord says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. We always have this signal before God in Jesus Christ. We always have this ability through the Lord Jesus for God to hear us and to know our prayers. We, like the ancient Israelites, long to know that God's attention is upon us and our prayers. And we have that promise in Jesus Christ that he bears our burdens, he carries our sorrows, he lifts us from the mire. The second type of offering that we find in Leviticus is the grain offering, and the grain offering is a bit different. Once the grain begins to produce the first fruits, the first parts of the grain are, are brought there's a tithe of the grain that is brought into the place of worship. And a couple of things happen. Number one, a bucket is brought to the priest who then takes a portion of this grain and places it on the altar where it is burned. And then the remainder of it becomes compensation for the priests who are going about the work of the Lord. When anyone presents a grain offering to the Lord, the offering shall be of choice flour. The worshiper shall pour oil on it, get it ready to use, put frankincense on it, and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests. After taking from it a handful of the choice flour and oil with all its frankincense, the priest shall turn this token portion into smoke on the altar, an offering by fire of pleasing odor to the Lord. And what is left of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons, a most holy part of the offerings by fire to the Lord. 
This offering of grain reminds us that worship, this whole life praise of God, doesn't take place in isolation. It takes place among others who worship God in the same way, who believe in God's grace and goodness and attentiveness, who come together to do the work of God. And so as the worshipers come, bringing the choice grain... Pay attention to that word. They don't bring the leftovers. If you've got a a herd and you want to to bring a a burnt offering, you don't bring one of the lambs that had his back foot mangled by a wolf and wouldn't be much good to you anyway. You bring to God something that is valuable. When you bring the grain offering, you don't bring the bottom of the barrel, that which has mildew or mold on it and is good for nothing, you bring that which is good and helpful. You bring that which is valuable. You and I have a lot of things that we can bring a portion of to God, a portion of to this, to this community of faith called the church. We have our time and we have our talents and we have our treasures And those times and talents and treasures that we bring, God calls us to bring not our leftovers. Not that which is not valuable to anyone else. But God calls you to take what you are good at. God calls you to take the resources that he has given you. God calls you to make time in your schedule. I understand that it's hard. It's hard for us to fit God into our daytimers sometimes. We've got 2,712 unread emails. The messaging app on your phone has constantly got the dot up top, which means that you have seven or eight or 78 different messages that you may or may not have responded to. There's always someone calling for some reason. There's always something that you can be doing or seeing or engaged in. But hear me, dear friends. God does not want your leftover time. God wants your choice fruits. God wants the best that you have to offer. And God wants you to offer it in the context of worship in the context of making God known to all the world. The third kind of offering that is here in Leviticus is the peace offering. Now there's a lot of, a lot of debate over what the word peace offering means. In, in Hebrew, the word for peace is shalom. I love when you go to Israel and they have all these things that you can buy as tourists, one of which is made for southerners. Shalom y'all. It says, shalom is a big word. It means peace, but it means more than peace. It means wholeness. It means that things are progressing like they ought to progress. It means that life is being lived in its fullness. It means that there is an equilibrium between work and recreation, that there's harmony between people. It's a big word. And the peace offering is peace in, in all of that largeness. 
the ritual of the sacrifice of the offering of well-being that one may offer to the Lord, if you offer it for thanksgiving, you shall offer with the thank offering unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers spread with oil, and cakes of choice flour well soaked in oil. With your thanksgiving sacrifice of well-being, the peace offering, you shall bring your offering with cakes of leavened bread, and from this you shall offer one cake from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who dashes the blood of the offering of well-being. And the flesh of your thanksgiving sacrifice of well-being shall be eaten on the day that it is offered. You shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice you offer is a votive offering or a free will offering, it shall be eaten on the day that you offer your sacrifice. And what is left of it shall be eaten on the next day. The peace offering is my favorite kind of offering because the peace offering is, uh, in, in, a sense, in essence, the peace offering is, is a potluck. It's not given simply to God on the one hand. It is not kept only for the priests on the other. It is, in fact, a time when the worshiper says, I am going to have a party with those who are closest to me. I'm going to invite them to come and to share the sacrifice. And together we are going to eat. And together we are going to share. And together we are going to praise the Almighty God. Wherever it is that you have been, where joy and the fullness of life have been experienced, whether you've acknowledged it or not, God has been there. Whatever you have done that has caused you to grow as a man or a woman of faith, whatever has helped you to grow in relationships, God has been in the midst of it. The peace offering reminds us that God is not outside of our relationships and our gathering times and the times that we get together with those who love us and care about us. God is at the center of the celebrations that we have of life. God is at the center of what it is that we are about as God's people. The next type of offering that is offered for us is the sin offering, the purification offering. There is this idea in the ancient world that when a worshiper of the Lord does something that is wrong, that is sinful, that somehow the entire community is negatively affected. I remember as a child growing up in the United Methodist Church in in South Carolina, one of the Methodist churches nearby was large enough that it had two pastors and it, it had two lay people who went to annual conference. And the two lay people that were chosen one particular year were a man and a woman and they went to annual conference and several weeks after they returned, they divorced their spouses and married one another. You better believe that that the church there had to do a little bit of self-reflection. What exactly is it that we require, that we ask, that we want of our leaders? 
The sin offering, the purification offering, was an offering when the people of Israel wound up doing something that somehow brought disgrace upon the worshiping community. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, When anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done or does any of them. Our behavior reflects upon the faith. Whenever I see news reports or read news stories about people who have done awful things and they they go back, they go back to their childhood, I always hope that the sentence, I was raised Methodist, doesn't come up. Although there is always grace and there is always hope. That even those who were raised Methodist and who have gone far, far afield may nonetheless remember that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The guilt offering is the final kind of offering that is made in Leviticus. The guilt offering is... Uh, is an offering that is rather self-explanatory. Someone has done something that they oughtn't have done. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, When any of you sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, by deceiving a neighbor in a matter of a deposit or pledge, or by robbery if you have defrauded a neighbor, or have found something lost and lied about it, If you swear falsely regarding any of the various things that one may do and sin thereby, when you have sinned and realize your guilt and would restore what you took by robbery or fraud or the deposit that was committed to you or the lost thing that you found or anything else about which you've sworn falsely, you shall repay the principal amount and shall add one-fifth to it. You shall pay it to its owner when you realize your guilt, and you shall bring to the priest as your guilt offering to the Lord a ram without blemish from the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. The priest shall make atonement on your behalf before the Lord, and you shall be forgiven of any of the things that one may do and incur guilt thereby." As we think about the kinds of offerings that are, that are spoken of in Leviticus and the Old Testament, we also think about how the Lord is our offering. The whole burnt offering, he is the one who says to God, who says to us, through the Spirit you come together and are joined. He is the one who provides for us and celebrates the grain and the fruit and the harvest. He is the one who purifies us when we are guilty and who forgives us when we sin. Dear friends, it's not just about the 11 o'clock hour. It's about how we live our lives. It's It's about what we do how we relate to our neighbors, our friends, and those in need. It's about seeking God, who, thanks be to God, wishes to be found. 
It's about knowing that even though all of these situations, all of these pieces of life that we put together to make this whole life of praise to God, even though we stumble and fall, we get up again. Even though we feel lost, we know that we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who are seeking to find us. And we know that whatever we do, wherever we are, God himself accompanies us. Remember our New Testament reading. The Apostle Paul says, we're putting no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way. And then he goes on to this whole life, the good and the bad, the normal and the extraordinary, the painful and the joy-inducing. Through great endurance and afflictions and hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well-known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Dear friends, the life God calls you to is a whole life of praise. It's a life of praise when you simply want to cry out, thank you, God, or when you want to cry out, why, oh God? It's a life of praise when you have time and talent and resources to share and you offer that. It's a life of praise when you've embarrassed yourself and your community but want to come for restoration. It's a life of praise when you've sinned and seek salvation. And today, we who have sinned and who seek salvation we live in a time when we, we try to categorize people and ideas into good and, and evil. You look at the news and you read the newspaper and very often you're tempted to think people like me are good and people like insert your favorite villains are, are evil. But the truth of the matter is in this whole life need that we have, every piece, every bit of evil that's found in the world could in the right circumstances, take root in your own heart. Take root in your own experience. It is the grace of God and the grace of God who gives himself for us that saves us, that makes us whole. And so, as we remember today, the night in which Jesus Christ offered himself up for us, we remember that Jesus is our sacrifice. 
He is our sacrifice of well-being. He is our atoning sacrifice. He is the sacrifice of God's love for us. He is the sacrifice that makes us holy. Holy.